welcome to this episode of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. This is a sample of our recent bonus episode, usually only available to members. These episodes are comprised of our crew of researchers, Amanda and myself, all getting together for a roundtable discussion on topics that we find interesting. So here's a few minutes for free so you can know what all the fuss is about. So shall we wrap up the mainstream corporate criticism with the the fantasy of the Mattel extended universe that's coming our way? Dion, do you still have that that list handy <laughs> that so like Mattel, like not not in like their secret underground lair, but like a pretty overt <laughs> plan they have is to make a series of movies akin to Marvel but based on their own IP, which doesn't interlock, doesn't have stories connected to it, doesn't make any sense. But if it worked with Barbie, then presumably it can also work with Hungry Hungry Hippos or the Uno <laughs> card game or what What else were they uh, trying for, Dan? Well, first of all, you saying that out loud, does that not just sound like a joke to you? Like, like the, <laughs> what of you course. said, like, that can't be real, right? <laughs> But obviously, like, no, they're, they're going to do the Uno game. They're going to do Polly Pocket. Uh, Vin Diesel's already connected to Rock'em Sock'em Robots, I believe. They have, they have uh-huh. people lined up to be connected to these shows. Barney has Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out to st- star in an edgy version of Barney. I don't know what that means. What? Uh, <laughs> oh, my ooh, God. Yeah. I had not heard about that. Jeez. Magic 8-Ball, which will probably be a horror movie. Masters of the Universe, Mm -hmm. He-Man. Already did it. Let's do it again. Hot Wheels. Yeah, they did do He-Man. It's got J.J. Abrams Production Company, Bad Robots connected. Like, these are, this is not just something that they obviously just came up with because of the Barbie movie. This is in the works. Like, well, Marvel do a thing. Let's make all the Marvel money. Like, that's what they're all doing. They're just, like, that's the... I mean, we've, we've talked about this a million times, but that is like the ultimate problem with capitalism. It's not creative. Yeah. It's the exact opposite of creative. It's a copycat culture that creates a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy until nobody wants that copy. And then, well, let's go find something else Similacra. that someone made that was decent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's just what we're doing now, I guess, going forward. <laughs> and that's why, like, I don't want to watch. I, I want to watch the Barbie movie for the story of the Barbie movie, but I don't want to watch the Barbie movie because of what the Barbie movie is. Like it's, it is <laughs> I know. that I know. Like, it, like ultimately, like no matter what it, it is a product. And that's like in the last episode we did, uh, his name, Steve Shives did a, a really interesting take on the movie business and what that means, because the, the, it is a business. They are selling something, but they're selling something like that really matters to us of course it does it's not just entertainment it's not just something to turn your brain off like these things affect the way society functions and if all we get is the most superficial nonsense products that's what society becomes and that's what i think that's what we're all starting to feel it's like that we're just swimming i'm you can see it right behind me i've got products behind me like dc products i'm swimming in it too i'm dealing with this all the time what should we be doing instead so like just a small example i really love sci-fi i've loved sci-fi for a while but sci-fi has probably gotten us here too because 
it's all dystopia, right? Like that's the mm-hmm. the majority of sci-fi is like, well, the future's going to suck. Here's why. So I've tried to find, yeah. like, I've been looking up, like, positive sci-fi. And the one I'm reading right now, it's called The Ministry for the Future by Ken Stanley Robinson. It's about climate change. I'm halfway through, and I cannot report where the positive twist is yet. Because <laughs> it's, it's not positive. But once I finish it, maybe I'll report back with what positive sci-fi could be. But, like... Is that going to be turned into like, if it is positive, it, it, interesting story. And it, it, it does have a hopeful take on the future. Does that sell right now? So would that even be made into a story that a lot of people saw? I don't no. think it would. <laughs> I and think I, th- so. I think that's, that's part of it too. It's definitely hard to know. It, it, it certainly should sell. I mean, I feel like there's such a universal mm-hmm. feeling of things kind of suck. They're like, I don't know why, a positive vision wouldn't sell, yeah. but I mean, the, it, you're, you're definitely reminding me of my, my rule against subtlety or, uh, or satire, because <laughs> like if you try to make a, you know, a, a satirical or, or a subtle nod towards like a dystopian future, you know, at least like 45% of people are going to see it as aspirational <laughs> or just like yeah. not get it at all. You know, there, I mean, uh, what is it? Starship troopers, which is the the classic example of an anti-fascist mm. film that is loved by neo-Nazis because they Supported don't get it. By fascist. Yeah. Yeah. I also can't help but feel like kind of what Amanda said, they're just miscalculating because what is loved about Barbie and why it's so socially relevant right now. I just can't see that being conveyed in sock and boppers. Like, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe hungry, hungry hippos is going to teach me like a really <laughs> moving lesson about the rivers and animals. Gluttony is bad. Aaron. Gluttony. Okay. Maybe we go there with it. Or body positivity, maybe. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say where they're going to take that one. Uh, but I do think this is a miscalculation. And also, I don't know, like, Dion, I can't take the same view that you have on will that sell? Because it's just like, okay, if I ask that question, then I also have to ask, is the advertising dollars going to be behind it in the way that they're behind the Marvel films? Because mm-hmm. I get... Like, I hear people complaining about the Marvel films all the time that, oh, they're just trying to get you to the next phase. They're trying to get you to the next movie, the next show, the next. And it's all about products and, like, continuing the universe that is Marvel. Like, I think people are tired of that. And I do think that people would want to watch something that ended a little more positively but rang true enough. And I think that is maybe what we would need is it has to connect to you. You have to have that you know, draw to it. But I don't think that we, especially after the pandemic and just everything that's gone on, like, I do think that we would have a market. I know that I would. Uh, the only downside is that we're four people on a podcast right now talking about this and not, <laughs> not studio execs. <laughs> yeah. Cause I would fund that program and I would put the advertising behind it so that yeah. it could be successful and actually be conveyed in the way that you would want it to, because hell yeah. Like we want a positive story. Like we want things to end in an okay way. And to see that also, like we could live in a utopia if we just work to get there. Like, well, somebody said recently, and I had to agree with this. I think it was a studio exec or an ex studio exec or something. He was, he's a big deal in the movie business. I forget his name, but he said that 
Barbie and Oppenheimer were victories because they weren't sequels and they weren't based on something else that they were original screenplays and that they're both doing really well in movie theaters and not streaming is like a success and it should like signal something to studio executives for the future. I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. Because I am tired of all the reboots pretty, pretty over it. And I know these writers, especially, you know, right now, we're hearing more from writers than we ever have because of the strike. And they all want to write good stuff. They all want to write the next Breaking Bad. They want to write like new, interesting, deep, cool stories that we're really into and we care about. And that might say something about society, you know, along the way. And they feel like they can't. Because that's not what's being looked for right now. That's not the moneymaker. And nobody wants to take a chance on something that isn't going to rake in the profits. And that's, that is capitalism at work, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so I appreciate that take, but I don't know how entirely right it is. Maybe half. Because sure, Barbie's not a sequel, but it's based on a massively well-known IP, which is basically the same as what you can say about Oppenheimer's. Like, it's not a new story. It's a story about an incredibly famous moment in history and, you know, dives into that. I mean, we, we haven't seen it, but it's not a purely original concept. It's based on something that people can connect to before they even see the movie, which actually brings me to our next major topic is the right wing version of responding to the mainstream <laughs> that we've been criticizing this whole time. And we mentioned that, you know, the likes of Matt Gates and, and whatnot were criticizing Barbie, but it goes so much deeper than that because in the meantime, Sound of Freedom, which I don't think we're going to talk about deeply, but like, that is existing in an alternate universe of right-wing fever dreams and is is doing well with an asterisk because it seems like more tickets are being purchased than people are actually going but you know it, it's like there's a a system set up by the uh, Amanda remind me it, it's the the studio that the made the film like the production company made an app that's basically like now that you've seen this film and think it's really, really important, buy a ticket for someone else. And so something like 20% of the ticket sales are like people who've already seen it buying a ticket for some other an- anonymous person who may or may not ever pick up that ticket. But the right wing, as they always do, is creating this like alternate universe that they can feel safe and comfortable in. The Daily Wire are the perfect mouthpieces for this because almost every single one of their major hosts, major personalities wanted to be in Hollywood and was rejected by Hollywood. So they personally feel rejected by Hollywood specifically Mm -hmm. because they were. And now they're grieved and they're sharing their aggrievement and they're hurt at not being successful at the thing they wanted to do with the rest of us. And the reason why they weren't successful There's probably a lot of reasons, but a big reason is that to be creative takes empathy. You have to be able to put yourself in other people's shoes to be able to create stories that other people can relate to, and they can't. And that's why they sell this, 
and they sell it to people who feel exactly the way they do and no one else. Like there's, there's a very small percentage of the population that likes this, but they fucking love it. Like they need it. They need to be told how hard the rest of the world is on them. Yeah. This, uh, insight into the daily wire came from me mostly came from this bloomberg article can the daily wire become a right-wing entertainment machine and in it they, they talk about jeremy boring and others who are aspirational in terms of taking on disney right they they think you know disney is the woke boogeyman of the day and they think like we need to take down disney and create a, a, a disney alternative right and Will they be successful? Yes, it depends on what you mean by successful. Sure, they'll create a, a business that is sustainable and brings in tons of money. But the idea that they can compete against Disney just shows how out of tune they are with how far their reach can possibly go. They think that half of America agrees with them, and they are not correct about that. You know, the presidential elections go about 50-50, but that's like people who actually vote in terms of people just living their lives. Like nowhere near as many people are as angry about culture going the way it's going as these right-wing culture warriors think. They think that their ceiling is much higher than it is, and they're going to keep bumping into it and being frustrated that well, wait, if we're making all these movies and all these right-wing podcasts and all the right-wing news sites that are doing well in terms of profitability, then how is it possible that we're not breaking through and fundamentally changing the culture? It's like, well, because you can do pretty well with only 30% of the population believing in your hatred, but that's not enough to change the culture. So- They're going to continue to feel aggrieved and then fall back onto conspiracy theories about why they're being artificially held back because they surround themselves with people who agree with them. And so they think, you know, it's just like the Trump voters who've never met a Biden voter in their lives and think like, well, if I've never met one, (laughs) then the election was clearly stolen. Right. They they, they must not exist and the election was clearly stolen. And I think that's how a lot of these people feel is like. I've never met anyone who's watched a Disney movie and not complained about the trans agenda. So how is it possible that <laughs> Disney isn't going bankrupt yet? And yeah. then then you fall you fall back on conspiracy theories. The other thing that I find sort of fascinating is like they're only into like two storylines. Savior storyline is actually the dominant mm-hmm. one and I'm trying to think of what the other might be. I was like, going to say, what's the other one? It's mostly, sa- is that, I think maybe it is just savior. People learning to stay in their roles storyline. <laughs> um, no, it's probably like, you know, some Sally homemaker support your husband crap or whatever, but that's got to get boring after a while. But what I'm mostly concerned about other than their boredom, because I don't really care about that is the living in an alternate universe part of this, because as you start to, separate like look whether you like it or not movies and tv is part of what kind of holds it's like a little bit of the glue in society it's like oh have you seen that we can talk about it you can like have this conversation about art it is art (laughs) um and reflecting society back to us and if you have a, a big segment of the population that is living 
somewhere else and experiencing only the things that reinforce their vision. And they say the same thing about us, (laughs) but that's not good for society. That's it for today's free sample. There's lots more of that particular episode, as well as there being dozens of past bonus episodes that you get access to in your feed the minute you sign up as a new member. Pain members are who make this entire show possible, and so these bonus episodes are a fun way to say thanks to them for their support. In addition to those full bonus episodes, members also get bonus clips in every single regular episode, as well as there being no ads in the regular show. If you would like to be our newest member, you can sign up at bestofleft.com slash support. You can use our Patreon page, or you can do it from right inside the Apple Podcast app, and links to get there are right in our show notes. And if you can't afford membership, I offer free financial hardship memberships. Just drop me an email to j at bestofleft.com, and we will get you set up, no questions asked. Or, again, to sign up and support the show and our ability to give away free financial hardship memberships, visit us at bestofleft.com support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.